Hey everybody, welcome to another Corner Conversation. Yep. Is that what we call it? Yep. Conversation on John. Behind the message conversation. No. Welcome to the conversation with Greg and Zach. And Scott. And Scott. And me. <laughs> and today and, we're talking about... Oh yeah, today we're talking about John chapter 18 and Peter denies Jesus. Playing the game, who's gonna talk first? Yeah, who lost? We no, always I won. Win. I I talked first. I did, I did it. I won. No, you lost. It's not, how how it, it's not how the game works. You gotta no. tell me the rules. No, it's not how you should figure it out. <clears throat> you change the rules all the time. Figure it out. Problem solve. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. I've thought it. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solve. Is, is it a sin if you don't say it? That's his favorite thing to say to his daughters. Yeah. I haven't said it in a while. Use your you haven't been around your daughters at all. <laughs> What's funny is that they just, they'll say it for me. I know. Problem solve. Problem hey. solve. Dad, why don't you problem solve? <laughs> Did I say that? I gives it back. They both do. I don't want to problem solve it. You problem solve it. Do, are, do, your, do your kids have sarcasm with you or no? Um, no. We just have eye rolls. I do. They're a little young for sarcasm, yeah. still, I think. Yeah, I didn't really yeah. grow up with sarcasm. You're pretty good at it now. <laughs> I've, I, uh, I've tried to <laughs> tried to avoid it. You do? It's, it's kind of hard when I work with two, two well, people who are well, really good at sarcasm. That's just how we communicate. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <clears throat> um, I like it. There wasn't sarcasm in your home growing up. What does that mean? There wasn't sarcasm in my home growing up. And so no one laughed? <laughs> was that being sarcastic? Nobody nobody used sarcasm as a tool. Does that I, mean nobody smiled? I, I don't think my parents knew how to use sarcasm. That's the question is, what does it mean? This is this is a real question. What does it mean to use sarcasm? Do I use sarcasm? You are sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was really fun. <laughs> that's that's. What am I using it for? To tell you that it's not fun? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited about this thing we're going to do. Usually what happens for me when I try and use sarcasm is people are like, wait, are you serious? I'm like, no, I'm trying to be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. At the root of it, for some reason, sarcasm makes me feel sad. Oh, that's what it all is. right, I'm done. I'm never going to be sarcastic again. I'm never going to be sarcastic again. <laughs> that might have been... Like, that would stop you. <laughs> I don't want Zach to feel sad. Yeah, but that's not going to... I don't want it. Well, Zach, that's my just feel sad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel sad regardless of your sarcasm. Yeah. Just, you feel sad that I'm not going to be using sarcasm. It just no, heaps, it heaps extra abuse on He'll top. feel bad that he's the reason you can't use it <laughs> Yeah. I'm cutting you off. Yeah. From fun. It's hot in this room. It's it, This is a room. We need windows. We need doors. We need... Something needs to happen in this room. If you've never been in this room... We should... <laughs> and we know you haven't. Come join us for a podcast someday. <laughs> Can we... I 
this is we shouldn't record this, but we should just put a window, cut a window in the wall of this room and Yeah. Do you know how filthy that would be? Yeah. Yeah. We could put a garage door in there. A oh, garage door. That'd be so great. <clears throat> it would cost us a lot of our body to get a garage door put in, huh? Yeah, but what has that ever stopped? Yeah, yeah. Never, no, no way. Never stops me. Yep. We'll just go get a because it's a brick wall oh. and with stucco or something, whatever that is on it, plaster maybe. It's probably stucco. Just get a diamond blade. Yep. Just cut it open. Yep. Yeah. Put some steel in it first and cut it open. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Let's go. Let's do it after this. All right. Set here. If anybody wants to join us. Uh, we're just gonna leave the mic running. It's gonna be real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. Hey, we're uh, continuing on with John. <laughs> wow, that was a, this is I, a high quality podcast <laughs> <laughs> content, baby. Could, yeah. If if you hadn't said anything, they would have thought we did a hard cut edit there. We yep. don't edit though. I know we should. If anybody knows Go anything ahead. about yeah. podcasts, it's that we don't edit. Yeah, I just published the podcast of Zach coughing as soon as we start. <laughs> Which is worse, coughing or swearing at wasps? Oh, coughing's worse. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I actually wish that wasp would come in here again. Oh, man. I fixed the lights. They can't come in anymore. My mother-in-law was weed-eating this week. I thought you were going to say your mother-in-law was a wasp. I don't know why that's what I thought, but... Oh, you're the only one. She uh, was weed-eating this week, and she... Started being stung by wasps, and she ran away and hmm. left the weed eater running. And so oh. went back to turn off the weed eater and started getting attacked again, and then ran away and then fell and broke her wrist. Wow. <clears throat> so the moral of the story, which she knows, you don't have to tell her. If you want to write in and tell her, she already knows, just let the weed eater run. <laughs> yeah. Just go and plug it. It was a gas or a battery gas. powered? Gas. Oh. So let it run. Mm. That reminds me of the time we were cutting tile at Uptown and you let go of the rotary grinder and it spun around. Motorcycle wheeled across the floor into my ankles and I had to sprain my ankle to get away from it. That was cool. (laughs) Hey, that was sarcasm. (laughs) That was cool. That was cool. That's the extent of Zach's sarcasm. I don't. What were we cutting? I don't remember. I remember that happening. Oh, cutting the bathroom. The edge of the tile. Yeah. That was magic. Oh, yeah, I remember. That was scary. Yeah. How come when, so many of those projects where pain is involved, I just don't think of, I just, just don't remember them yeah. until Zach tells the story. You know what's terrifying is that when I rented the generator from the Columbia Heights Rental, this podcast is sponsored by Columbia Heights Rental, every time they will plug something in to show you that it's working as you're taking it. And last time I was there, uh, the guy plugs plugs in this gigantic angle grinder and just like spins it up and then is how he did not cut off his arm mm. as he's doing this. It just that was so that was scary. <laughs> it was scary just to show me that it works. Yeah, I believe you. You can stop now. Please stop. And then he set it down and it ran across and hit Zach on the ankle. Yeah. Please, please stop. Uh. Well, how, do we, how do we get back to? <clears throat> you were about you were about to jump in, and then we got back to. Well, today today <laughs> we are talking about pain, and so Someone's that feeling you feel that feeling you feel right now. Yeah, but it's it's pretty remarkable that as Jesus is being arrested, there's these uh, 
John is intentional in the narrative that he shares, and and to what in the narrative he doesn't share. <clears throat> and uh, Peter is this in this chapter, chapter eighteen, is this center of this narrative of his different response to Jesus' being arrested, and then this week we're looking at his denial of Jesus. And uh, the thing that's been impactful for me in processing of this is that it's so easy for me to just the, let the message of the story be, do not deny Jesus. But um, Peter's story wasn't over, and so for him to have this as being a growing, impactful, really was a life-changing moment, to be able to sit in that is so important for me, as opposed to just go, just don't be like Peter and deny Jesus. Don't be like Peter and deny Jesus. What if, what if I have permission that in my failure I grow? Yeah, I don't like to even just, can we just, just get past it? Get past Just get failure? past failure as quick as possible. That's definitely what I think our culture yeah. yells at us. Yeah. I mean... Definitely don't celebrate pain. If it pains there, just let Are it, failure let it be and quick. suffering one and the same? I'd say they're related. Or they can be related. I wouldn't say one causes the other. I think in somebody like Zach, pain and failure are directly correlated. Like failure <laughs> is pain? No, well, I know. I'm. I. I, saw, I was being pain, sarcastic. That, that pain is an evidence of failure. Yeah, used to be. I'm trying to think now, pain. What pain do I have? What would you say pain is evidence of? Something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. Which that so that's the thing. Something and isn't I'm, how it should be. And I'm right there. Should be. Yeah. I, that's that's the thing is that, um, it's the tension. It's for sure. Peter wasn't doing things that were great in denying Jesus, but the tension to pull you out of pain and failure so quickly causes you to not grow. And like if I feel like the the modern church telling of this story is that Peter screwed up and then he's never ever mentioned again. Yeah. In fact, if we could go back and edit him out from any of the other like just he wasn't one of the disciples for some reason there was just one less disciple <laughs> like that that Weird. is so and that and that's not just a, a dig on on church culture but i feel like that's a cultural thing is that when somebody screws up is to edit them out in the future and in the past and just and so we we carry that same pressure what's it called cancel culture mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we try we feel like we need to be canceled yeah when there's failure how dare you who do you think you are that's what we tell people sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Who do you think you are? You I think, think the problem are? with it is I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to see those things and want to like root them out. But I think when we are when we are willing to do it in others and unwilling to do it in ourselves, yeah. that causes huge issues. Or and that's like that's my biggest critique of like. The cancel culture is like people want it's all about canceling other people, but rather than canceling what should be canceled in our own lives first. Yeah. But I but I think the opposite actually happens a lot too. We just don't see it. Is that people are canceling themselves. That it's that tension of extreme that there are some people that are so gracious to anybody else and have just eliminated themselves from 
community. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think part of that is the, when we view, like Zach said, if we view pain as, uh, like, an identifier of things are not as what they should be, then, of course, if there's pain in our lives, we're going to, it's going to seem like either we failed or other people have failed us. But I think if we have a healthier perspective of pain, that pain is a given reality, that pain is required for progress, that it's not something to run from, uh, I think it allows us to actually move forward. Because someday when we finish this series, we're going to get to the last <laughs> words. Last words of John's letter is this reinstatement of Peter. And I just, really, for the first time in my life, to feel the weight of that is that John ends there. Is, it's, just, it's, a, it's such a powerful resolve that I try to ignore. Because... Like where we're ending in this, and and Zach, you've we've done a bunch of tweaking on this last processing question, but <clears throat> you know the when when I really fail, how's how's God doing when I really fail? And the thing in my head says that in that moment when I really really fail, God is like done with me, ignoring me, yeah. hates me. Yeah, something happened because I failed. Something. My failure was able to shift God somehow. Yep. That's a pretty little view of God, I think, in my own yeah, experience. It, and the power of this narrative is that, you know, here, the, what does God do to address our failure? It's happening right under Peter's feet. God sends his son to be a sacrifice for it. And that So that, what a crazy paradox that, you know, Peter runs away weeping. He's failed by denying to these nobodies. And uh, there Jesus is walking into being a sacrifice for all failure. Yeah. And I think defining pain and failure and suffering as maybe different things. Hmm. But we would probably naturally put all those things in more of a negative category than a positive category. For sure. And... To stop seeing those things as separators. Um, but what does it look like to see that God is fully with us whenever we have failure, whenever we have suffering, whenever we have pain? Even the things that, yeah, like our failure being self. Failure is the, the one of those three that can often be the like self-inflicted. Oh, I failed. And yeah. sometimes pain is self-inflicted, for sure. Suffering is self-inflicted. When it comes to my own stuff, like, I did this wrong, so there's something God has to take away from me now. And it's it's actually this, like, perverted sense of justice of, like, yeah. oh, I did bad, I deserve punishment yep. for what I did wrong, yep. for my failure. And I think Peter might have... Which is true. Things. It is true. Yeah. The part of... Peter's being able to understand grace. It's part of everybody's understanding of grace. The biblical narrative that leads to understanding of grace is the is the showing of constant human history failure. Yeah. And so to be to feel like you have to be exempt from that to yeah. get grace, that's not that doesn't work. But also to feel like um, <clears throat> uh, because I failed, I don't get grace. Again, it's 
those as also doesn't work either. So. Yeah, it's crazy that we think about grace and we want grace, but sometimes the only way to really see grace clearly is to be able to sit in pain and yeah. sit in suffering and sit in failure. It's those things that actually reveal the strength of grace and yeah. how pain and failure so much in my life has been somehow a signifier of God leaving, but maybe it doesn't mean that God is gone. Like, yeah. as we were preparing the Psalm 139, it's just been like hitting me super hard all day because it, it really speaks to that, how at my worst I just feel mm-hmm. so impossible. Like, you know, God, how, how can you be how can you be near? There's no way you will stay with me. And we know all these truths. As we claim to follow Jesus, we know that there's certain things that are true, but they're not always things I have a like perpetual internal standard of. So for me, that's the thing of like, I know it's true God doesn't leave. And yet in my worst moments, everything in me is screaming, God's gone, or you've done it, he's leaving. Yeah. And uh, I think, Matthew and Luke uh, have they say this in Peter's denial that Jesus saw yeah it was the don't see me moment uh, that Jesus saw Peter in that moment and I as I've been thinking about this I've, I had a little bit of a shift because I was thinking about that as an incredible moment of Jesus going I'm so disappointed in you right now hmm. but rather the thing that is just Maybe I'm reaching too far in this, but to me, I feel like my what I would expect Jesus to do is to look over at Peter and go, "Never mind," <laughs> and walk out of the <laughs> him being uh, persecuted, being tried. Just go, you guys, I, listen, I'm gonna slip away again. Peter screwed up, and so I'm not gonna die. I'm not gonna be a sacrifice because he's a he failed. Yeah, but instead. Jesus, I, I actually love that Jesus saw that and continued in that process. That's that's what relationship with Jesus is like, is that he looks you in the eyes when you fail and doesn't go, you're the worst, but rather goes, this is why I'm, this is why I'm a sacrifice for you. Yeah. I think in relationships with people, we can often, we, I think we could be, we could see failure in a relationship coming sometimes, and then I think other times we're surprised by failure yeah. of relationship and that is horrific and hard <laughs> uh, and I think part of Jesus's grace is the reality that he's not surprised by our failure mm. like he knows yeah. us fully he knows he knew Peter fully he knew he told Peter what was going to happen yeah. and so when when Jesus confronts him afterwards there, of course he's not going to belittle him or or say it's done and over he's like no I told you it was going to happen it's yeah. fine. Like we're gonna let's walk through it. But our relational math says if you, if somebody sees the failure coming in you, that they should run away. Yeah, but I don't think that's actually the. I don't think that's the norm for relationships. Hmm. I think I think most people want to be surprised <laughs> by, uh, by the opposite of whatever that failure is. I think yeah. you have friends. You hopeful. can have a friend. That's hopeful. Yeah, I think of, I know married couples who have since split that they would say things like, yeah, there was red flags, but I, I, I wanted to ignore them. I didn't want it to, I didn't want to believe it was true. 
I yeah. don't want to believe that could happen that way. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty cool when Peter meets Jesus in Luke's narrative. Peter's fishing and Jesus tells him to go do some magic to catch fish and then he does and Peter <laughs> Peter kind of realizes that Jesus is someone special and he tells him like don't see me so before he's screwed up anything with Jesus he basically tells him don't mm. don't look at me I'm a sinful man and that's when Jesus says I'm gonna call you Peter I'm gonna build my church on you I'm gonna teach you how to fish for people whatever that means and I love in this moment when we'll get to next week when Jesus reinstates Peter it was a it wasn't a let's process everything that you did wrong. Um, he simply reminds Peter of what he had told him three years prior. Yeah. Like, you're you're who I'm going to build the church on. Yeah. Go feed my sheep. Yeah. Like, do you love me? Yes, you love me. I know you do, but I want you to know that you love me. <laughs> I think that it's so that consistency is so amazing. Yeah. I just think of like the best parents I know are probably the most consistent in yeah. in communicating with their kids what's going on and that they love them and that there's consequences and all those things but the consistency in it is really important and I think like that's the uh, like if you want to take uh, if you want to find joy in this story with Peter it's it's Christ's consistency in, in his relationship with Peter yeah and in that consistency he which is a big part of this process for me is to to not defame, belittle, or just pretend like the failure didn't happen, but to like embrace it and grow in it. And you have freedom to grow from your mistake when you realize that that mistake didn't wreck everything forever. Yeah, I think like the the challenge for me in this story is like, what does it look like to have Christ-like consistency with the relationships with people? Yeah, I think. Like you said, it's. I think a lot of times you can you can be failed by somebody once, big or small, and just be like, it's just not worth it. Like, yep. it's not worth it. This connection, this relationship, whatever, it's not worth it. But then, having that consistency over time, I don't know if there's a better a better way to show Christ's love to somebody than to have consistency in relationship and caring for them. Mm-hmm. It's good. This is John's continual theme and process that the concepts can be pretty simple but like living it out and being it actually believing is anything but is so hard yeah Yeah. and so you can in a moment get a bunch of people to repeat Jesus loves you when you fail he cares about you in that pain he isn't going to abandon you and he would like for you to grow in that moment because there's a great future ahead (laughs) and you just go alright I can repeat that but but do I embrace it? Do I get it? Is it me? No. And so that's that's our challenge of our conversation. That's the challenge of uh, of Peter or of John as he writes this text is that it, it, these things need to be struggled with. Yeah. And that's the same thing as like reading Psalm one thirty nine. You can say, man, that is really beautiful. Yeah. But it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like a good practice for me and maybe for followers of Jesus I mean it's cool how we all process differently and how certain things impact us differently Um, and so for me it's finding those portions of scripture that really continually speak to exactly what I struggle with and their truths that speak directly against the things that I'm so often feeling like are 
their lies or their things that it's just hard for me to believe something. And so for me, it's something like Psalm 139, you know, where can I go from your presence, God? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just encouraging everybody to really find those things that are like, these are things that speak truth in the midst of times when it's hardest to remember what is true. Uh, and Peter, in this moment with Jesus, I mean, he's got to be having a hard time remembering anything about what Jesus has told him in the positive. Mm-hmm. Everything centered around, wow, I, I, I am the most failure of all failures in this moment. It's mm-hmm. good. Well, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.